Broadcasting from Under the Dome in Chester's Mill, this is Under the Dome Radio, podcast episode number seven for Under the Dome, The Fire. Welcome back. We're so thankful you took the time to tune in and give us a listen. Under the Dome Radio is produced by MediaVoiceOvers.com and our affiliate links. You can check out all the great ways to help out the podcast and share the love at UnderTheDomeRadio.com slash love. And on this episode, we're going to go on the air and talk a little more in depth about the second episode of Under the Dome, The Fire. Then we're going to broadcast at the tower, play some uh, listener feedback. And in the broadcast section, some people played our promos and gave us some shout outs and helped get out the word about the podcast. And we're ever thankful for that. And we are going to be in the dome, a.k.a. in the know. It could be spoilery at the end, depending on how much of the book makes it into the TV show, but that's near the end. So even if you're avoiding spoilers altogether, stay tuned with us all through the listener feedback before we get to the uh, spoilery section of the show. And all the show notes are going to be on our website at underthedomeradio.com slash seven. Wayne Henderson here. Glad to have you along for another epic episode of Under the Dome Radio. Since I'm the podcasting, voice acting, Packer shareholder, I want to mention briefly that I am available for your business, your project, or even your own podcast. If you'd like to add my professional voiceover services, I would love to work with you. Send me an email to wayne at mediavoiceovers.com. Thank you. Just saying. And now, because you demanded it, let's go ahead and see how things are going with fellow Packer shareholder, propane hunter, or is that propane hoarder? and fundraising bike rider, Troy Heinrichs. Wayne, I would never hoard propane. Really? You know, everyone is going to have to survive under this dome, especially with 85% retention in viewers from the pilot. Got 11 million coming in strong. 11 and a half million, I think it was actually, mm. uh, coming in for the, uh, for the fire episode, episode number two. So I think the second season is almost certain at this point. Again, we'll probably have to wait one more week before they decide if they're going to renew or not. Besides, I would never, ever want to take extra propane from our fellow dome heads here in Chester's Mill Mm-mm. because it's just like Big Jim says. We're all in this together. It's so very true, Troy. We want everybody to share their thoughts and theories about Under the Dome by calling our listener voicemail at area code 904-469-7469 or just go to underthedomeradio.com and all the details are there on how you can share your voice and be part of the show. We've got some great new dome-related stuff since last week's big pilot episode of the show. You can already pre-order the Blu-ray and DVD season one sets of Under the Dome via our affiliate store. The deluxe Blu-ray set, the super deluxe one, it, it looks like it's coming in a dome package with a bloody handprint on the inside, and it looks sweet. Awesome. I, it was really cool when I saw that. It was like snow globe with blood. Don't shake <laughs> wanna- it. And what if you shake it if it drips? That'd be kind of cool. Um, and we also have a link on the sidebar now for a link to the Amazon Instant Video service. Uh, Amazon is the streaming partner four days later, so Fridays. You can get it in glorious HD, commercial-free, to watch Under the Dome for the second time in a week. But before we travel around the mill, just want to toss it out there that Under the Dome Radio is not affiliated with CBS, Stephen King, Mm -mm. or the Under the Dome TV miniseries Mm. or mega series or epic (laughs) series, depending on how you look at the numbers. Although if Neil, Brian, the two Stevens, or anyone at CBS is listening, we are ready and willing. Just let us know. Absolutely. So we are going to go right on the air. I know that we had our initial thoughts episode the other night. If you haven't heard that, we kind of put out instantly what we thought about the episode right after uh, viewing it and have some of our favorite parts but troy you've looked into more detail on a lot of stuff even more so than i have and tell us what else you might have found about the episode the fire that really struck out at you well after watching it a second time the big thing that stuck out to me and jack bender actually directed this one because neil oppenheim did the, the pilot so this was jack bender's first directorial under the dome debut and uh, I know we're losties. You've heard it say it a million times. And 
sure, Kate and Sawyer kind of walked around on the island a little scantily clad every now and then. But really, you're going to start off the show with a stranger that just accidentally killed your husband that you invited into your house, which was weird to begin with. And then you're going to have a conversation with a half-naked man. Yeah, that's totally realistic. Yeah, and I have to jump in just real quick because that was the same thing my wife said. This is so way over the top. You know, you got to suspend disbelief. But the fact that her husband's missing, so she invites this other strange man, eh, stay over, we're a small town, everybody's cool here. Yeah, that's just a little too much. Yeah, so uh, for the ladies, I'm sure everybody liked seeing Mike with his shirt off, but... Yeah, a little unrealistic. I actually thought, yeah, after watching it the first time through and kind of knowing, you know, Barbie and uh, Julia having their conversation about the dog tags, you know, not that I want to give Jack Bender pointers or anything or blocking techniques, but it probably (laughs) would have been better if maybe she had accidentally walked on him into the bathroom because she forgot that he was there. A little bit more realistic in the middle of the night. And then uh, like, oh, sorry, can't sleep, huh? And then had the conversation while he was in the bathroom brushing his teeth or whatever. Um, because then it probably would have paid off a little bit better later in the episode when they were talking about, oh, yeah, I left my dog tags in the bathroom. And Julia's like, huh, I checked there already. Yeah, it's like you could see her mind working. Like, I know I checked there. What, what, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he, what's he hiding? Basically, what's everybody hiding on under the dome? So, I, I, of course, I watched it on the DVR, so I was kind of skipping through some of the commercials. So if anybody can tell me if Windex is sponsoring the dome, no. because if they're not, they should be. <laughs> How come? Well, I mean, Julia's standing outside with whatever, racquetball, tennis ball. I wasn't quite sure what kind of ball it was. But man, if, if they're shooting this, you know, the special effects are awesome. Otherwise, that is the cleanest piece of plexiglass I have ever seen that she's throwing that ball up against. I mean, it looked like there was nothing there. Yet the ball just keeps bouncing right back to her. So I'm just curious how many times they bounced that ball before they actually got the shot taken care of. Uh, she might just be a pro. Could be. My, my dog been, got. It would have been, be- it would have been better if she would have had like a, you remember that scene from Forrest Gump where he's doing like the two ping pong ball, you know, doing the ping pong back and forth. She should have been doing that against the dome as fast as she could. That would have been cool. <laughs> and have a computer generated Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks in there. Totally. Good, good call, Troy. Good call. Or Forrest Gump could have been on the outside of the dome doing ping pong at her while she was doing ping pong back at him, but yet they were playing against each other, but not really, because it would just bounce off. Now, right after this, there was a scene that the first time I watched it, it just went way over my head. I must not have had the TV loud enough. But the second time through, this really, I think, is the most important part of the episode for people to make make notes of. You mean the part where Julia took her clothes off? No. No. (laughs) It involves the the reverend. He made some comments that should be getting the conspiracy theories going big time. Right, right. Because Big Jim uh, is standing there saying, you know, hey, turn up your hearing aid, you old codger. (laughs) You know, it's Duke Perkins. And then he's like, oh, man, that kind of stinks. And then Linda finally leaves the room. And literally Big Jim grabs Coggins and slams him into the wall and says, you've been using our stuff. You're high as a kite. That's not a good sign. No. And it's like, okay, well, is it their stuff? Because it's just their stuff and they just happened to buy it from somebody before the dome went down. Or is it the conspiracy about maybe they're making stuff, which in order to make drugs, not that anybody of us would know anything about that, but right. you probably need to cook something, which means you need gas, which means you need propane. And I think we can start putting two and two together. The whole thing's really weird. I mean, is he really a reverend? I mean, or did he just get, you know, ordained and then now he's messed, he's in some sort of cahoots with Big Jim. He just bought his collar at the five and dime down the street. Well, it's a small town. I don't know. Never, never know. I mean, he is, a, he is a mortuarian too, right? Or an autopsy person. Yeah, I'm I not th- sure what, he, what he's doing in that scene with Duke eventually because he's got the apron on. Multitasking. Maybe, maybe he thought he was going to cook some stuff. I don't know. Uh, no. No. So, uh, moving along, the, uh, the, the interesting thing, um, we kind of got confirmation that Linda is indeed still engaged to Rusty and not actually married to him. Um, and I picked up on this because as Big Jim and uh, Reverend Coggins were talking to Linda with Duke laying on the table there, I believe the Reverend said Officer Esquivel. I believe not, so. Right? And, and she didn't say Officer Denton. 
And the reason why it would have been Officer Denton was because we later see Freddie Denton and Linda talking uh, when Kevin Sizemore, our good friend who did the awesome interview, if you haven't listened to it, um, under the dome radio.com forward slash Kevin. But, you know, he, they're standing there with Paul Randolph and they're talking. And then she says something like that Freddie and Rusty are brothers. Like, I can't believe you, you know, are engaged to my brother. So obviously, Rusty Denton would be Freddie's brother. So therefore, they're not married. I just put two cents together there. And they're going to eventually go to Hawaii if they make it out of the dome. Could be. Maybe around September 2014. That's what they were talking about. It's a landmark anniversary of something. I have no idea. 10 years to the date, I think. But no, they, no one's counting. No, no we don't want to count. That almost would be equal to math live on a podcast. And we'll stay away from that. But um, they really made a big point to focus on Barbie's dog tags. Yeah. And it was really cool the way they did it. Because... He kind of got the big reveal at the end of the pilot that, you know, he had done something to Peter. We don't know exactly what. And here they're answering the question like right away at the beginning of the next episode. So I think if they keep that kind of mentality going with the show, they're definitely going to be in a much better place than say Lost might have been, even though we're still we're like, oh, we got to watch next week. We got to know what happens. So um, I think we're going to get answers a lot sooner. Neil and Brian promised that. And I think you're seeing that with this second episode already. Uh, but the the line that Barbie kind of opens up with in that conversation, he says, where is it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know what it resembles like a case of money or something else like a device maybe, or a magical recipe for the big Mac. I have no idea. Um, but he basically says it. And then he says, if you just pay, you know, then everything will be fine. So it, I don't know if it's like a military thing because, you know, we know Barbie's in the military. So did he, was it like a testing scenario? Is there a device somewhere that it, you know, not to play on a Stephen oh, King term, but. Oh, uh, uh-huh. oh, that it, I thought you were, the it might've been referring to the dog tags, but you mean the mysterious it that has not been explored. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe there were some kind of like scientific group, like on revolution. Cause the guy, Peter looks kind of like the guy from revolution a little bit. Um, that ended up dying on revolution. Um, but you know, the, it could be some kind of device that generated the dome and he's saying, Hey, where is it? And why don't you just pay us for it? You know? And then, you know, I'm just speculating could mm. be big. Jim is all over this episode. Jim. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's great too, because he's just conveniently located at the right place in the right time all the time. You know, you could say he has a God complex in a way. <laughs> The way Dean plays the actor Jim Rennie, what he does with his eyes really tells me what he's thinking. I think it's fabulous. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then he's he's standing there and he's, you know, going through Duke's office and I'm sure he's trying to look for some kind of, you know, documentation about the propane so he can cover his own butt. And he just conveniently happens to have the will sitting right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean it's like, oh, hey, yeah, there's the will. But then, of course, he doesn't find what he's looking for. So he sends over his um, his lackey, Lester. Like, we can give him that nickname, right? Lester the lackey. He, he needs somebody a little more competent, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he goes over to the house, Lester does. And then um, I've watched the scene a few times. Because if he's still kind of high as a kite at this point, because we assume that not much time's passed since the mortuary um, room scene right you know he's looking for the propane papers he finds them on the bottom of the drawer lights them on fire throws them in the can but then he like i don't know if he stumbles or if he kind of was like ha 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 and he purposely kicked the can away because it's just it happens so fast i don't know which one it is if he purposely kicks the can thinking he's funny or if he actually did stumble and didn't intend but then he kind of has this like moment of realization like oh crap the house is on fire <laughs> I'm going to chalk it up to him still being quote unquote high as a kite. You think he did it purposefully though? Cause it kind of, he had that look well, in his eye. Like he was like, I'm going to show you Duke. I'm the better one. I don't know. I, it seems like he may have kicked the can out of the way on purpose, but I think he may have been high and not realized, Oh, it's close to the curtains. And there goes the house. I don't think he meant to light the house on fire, but, uh, it probably doesn't matter either way, but it it was really weird. And that was a scene I had to rewind a few times myself. 
Well, we did finally have some diggers. We saw some diggers shoveling, and uh, the farmer that drove the uh, front loader either to either plow right through the dome or dig under it. Uh, not, you know, dig under the dome, no pun intended. Uh, but, you know, like, interesting that, you know, Big Jim kind of just shows up again, just out of the blue. Hey, don't do that. You're going to fry yourself, you old geezer. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it seems like so, Mr. Rennie, who's, you know, obviously it looks like he's trying to take over. But at the same time, it works so well in his favor in all these scenes where he just happens to be in the right place at the right time to help somebody, to save somebody's life, to save the town. So everybody thinks he's this good guy, even though he's starting to do a few things. Listeners, what do you think? Give us a call. 904-469-7469. So going back a couple weeks, uh, Rochelle was on Craig Ferguson and Craig Ferguson said she had the, like the most awesome voice. And of course, here she is busting into the radio station with that awesome voice that she has. So dare I say she could be like the next Delilah, maybe the next Sheila Brothers. Just saying. There's, We'd have to see if they have an opening. We'll have to ask Sheila about that. We will. But uh, Dodie actually has the comic relief in the episode. Um, Julia's asking her, why haven't they told anybody about the military saying that it's a dome? And she rattles off with, well, geez, we're not a news station. <laughs> But that was kind of awesome. Yeah, that that scene was fantastic. We talked a little bit about it on our initial reactions, but I think that one bears repeating because, uh, you know, she is sticking to the format. Even if she's not the on-air talent, she's the engineer. You know, we're not a news station. Uh, and this is what we're going with for now. But it looks like it's all changed now that, you know, Jim Rennie's come in and taken over the mic and Julie Shumway's come over and taken over the mic. Uh, we're, we're just hoping that uh, our friend down at the diner comes in and, She's probably got some things to share as well. So let's switch gears. Let's check in on Joe and Benny. Yes, Joe and Benny. Do tell. So Benny's drawn this door with spray paint on the side of the dome, hoping it'll be magical somehow and open up and escape from the dome. What if it did? And I actually kind of found this rather intriguing because I didn't know if this was a shout out. Yeah, we, we talked about last week with the uh, the butterfly on the back of uh, Brit Brit shoulder, Angie shoulder, you know, being a, maybe a nod to the butterfly effect in 112263. But here he's drawing this magical door. And I didn't know if this was a shout out to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. The uh, The second book is called The Drawing of the Three. And it has our protagonist, Roland, waking up after his battle with none other than the man in black. Love it. In the first book. And uh, yeah, you'll have to read it. Um, I I'm done with book one and I'm actually reading uh, the uh, the drawing of the three book two uh, on the plane uh, when I leave the country here in a couple days. But uh, from what I understand of book two, uh, the drawing of the three, there's he, he gets done with this battle and then there's three mystical doors that uh, happen to open up to different points in time in New York City. And he's actually got to draw in the essence of these three people that he kind of inhabits, kind of like a John Malkovich kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, so I don't know if this was a shout out to that. You know, it's a magical door with magical properties that he hopes will take him somewhere. Um, just a stretch, but that's the only Stephen King-ish thing I could see in the episode. That's really interesting. And I just recently finished uh, listening to the audio book of book one of The Dark Tower. <laughs> it was about one-fifth the length of the audiobook for Under the Dome, so I was good with that, and I'll have to do number two. But uh, it was just really funny how he did it. He might have just been nothing but a joke instead of hoping for magic, but I, I like the shout-out to the Stephen King thing, so we'll really have to keep our eyes peeled, see if uh, this trend continues. Yeah, maybe there's acidosis or something that takes place with spray paint and the barrier and water and electricity and smoke and... Maybe eventually just carves out a, a door at, later on. You and, never know. We can always come back to it. And keep your eye out for clowns. For sure. And the pet cemetery. Because we all float down here. <laughs> creepy. Or under here in this case, right? Very creepy. And then we found uh, out why this episode's called The Fire. Yeah, so Big Jim uh, definitely not showing his so nice side. You know, he basically said, oh, hey, Lester, sorry, you... Put yourself into this one. I'm out of here. And you don't know where he's going, so he's just leaving his dude to die. So if anybody is thinking that maybe Jim Rennie is actually a totally good guy, 
and he's just misunderstood this scene kind of breaks that down for us yeah and then he drives the front loader into the house obviously trying to put out the fire as quickly as possible by snuffing it but at the same time i think there was a little bit of a last push in his eyes just as he brought the house down because he never really checked with anybody to find out if lester got out he just rolled up and just you know and i think he was like "Ooh, i can get rid of duke the evidence and lester all in one push Mm -hmm. and look like the hero for helping stop the fire from spreading to neighboring homes it's a win-win in in rennie's book but of course, you know, divine intervention intercedes and Linda goes in, saves Coggins, and Jim clearly looks displeased when he finds out that Coggins was still alive out by the ambulance. I know, he can't so wait for it. it. He couldn't wait for a chance to talk to him alone again. Right. And he probably doesn't want to wait too long because he probably wants to really get him alone and finish him off for good. Just my two cents. It, two cents is worth a lot these days. I'm, I'm really excited for how much of... Kevin Sizemore's character, Paul Randolph, we got in this episode. I mean, he had tons of lines, and he definitely left an impression on a lot of people. I'm in this guy's camp. If I'm trapped under the dome, I'm not going to be sitting around with everybody doing kumbaya. I'm going to follow Randolph's advice, even though he's a little over the top. Yeah, I mean, he's got a secret stash from his arms dealer. I mean, it's like, where did you get all this stuff in your trunk, dude? You know, maybe he's in cahoots with Peter Shumway. Maybe they're running a, a, a gun trafficking business or something, and that's going out to the military, and that's why Barbie's involved. I don't know. I, it might have more to do, just like how you've been accused of being a propane hoarder. He might be a weaponry hoarder. You know, he's got to keep collector. the show on the air. You know, we just, I wouldn't have to hoard the propane if the domies and the dome heads would help us out. Just go to that right-hand sidebar at underthedomeradio.com. Just throw five, 10, 25 bucks towards a sponsorship of a tank, and then I can... You know, stop hoarding what I find. There you go. Because we want to keep the show on rolling right along. The radio station needs power here under the dome. And Rennie is taking as much of it as he can. Yeah, absolutely. Except for the one that blew up. Well, there's that. Know, right next to the house. Um, but then you have, um, you know, Paul's hitting there. And he's just like, you guys are all crazy, man. We're going to choke on this smoke. Let's get out of here. And bang, shoots the dome. And it bounces right into Freddy dead. By so Freddy. I think, I think the goal is that someone's going to die by chest wound at the end of every episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope we don't see one where the alien comes bursting out. Oh, that'd be cool. Well, I, I finally teased in, uh, finally, I teased in my instant video uh, that, you know, if I don't know if anybody else caught this, but Joe's, you know, taping with his pseudo eye device, it looks like the fire and the, the bucket brigade, which the pool was just conveniently located i i thought uh, i got to make sure i install a pool just in case i have a fire um but yeah he's filming and then he sees nori across the other side of the brigade and their eyes kind of lock oh hi hi you know so maybe there's some uh, love connection after all with joe and nori that they're foreshadowing there but you never know it's just a tv show any anything's possible so another chest wound another dramatic finish another excellent episode of under the dome what do, you give it, what do you give it for a rating there, Wayne? For a rating on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, the whole scene, any of the scenes that happen down in the uh, bomb shelter, uh, those are just so disturbing I can hardly watch. But the rest of the episode, I would probably give this one about a 9. Let's give it a 9. A 9. Okay. I was, because Junior and Angie are still in the show at this point, I, I gave it an 8. I, I could have really done without Junior and Angie in this entire episode. They just, it's just not moving the plot along at all. No. So we like the episode. That's all good. And it's good. And it, it definitely had a Jack Bender feel. You felt a different pace with this episode than you did in the pilot. So I think it's, you know, if you're a lost fan, you definitely see the Jack Bender influence coming out and just the pacing and the timing. I mean, the episode just seemed to fly by so fast, even without the commercials, just, you know, it logically came together. Granted, it was weird that everybody just happened to show up at the fire. I mean, it is, you know, we found out a five mile radius across, um, but, uh, or five mile radius, 10 miles across, but you know, everybody just happened to be at the, at the house when it's on fire, a little convenient, but and it looked a lot like a Dharma house. Did you notice that? Just the color <laughs> and the shape. I thought it, that was kind of funny. It did. I, I could see uh, people in there listening to old 45s and making muffins and watching out for airplanes breaking apart. 
So now uh, let's briefly go into the broadcast section before we get into the listener feedback, because we want to thank some friends out there who played the promo for Under the Dome Radio on their own podcast this past week. Um, Alan Middleton, he's part of the Book Guys podcast, if you like a podcast about novels and books. They have an audio and a video version, so it was great that they played our promo on there and gave us a shout-out. So, Alan, thank you so much. As well as Stephen McGrath, who does the Voice of Steve podcast. You've heard us mention him before. Excellent uh, show that he puts together. But not only did Steve play a promo for Under the Dome Radio podcast, he created his own promo for Under the Dome Radio and played it on his show. I didn't hear it, though, because I was on this side of the dome and he was on that side of the dome. Oh, let me tell you, it was uh, pretty funny. Steven, thank you so very much. And we got some more good reviews in iTunes for the podcast. Thank you so very much to everybody that's left us a review or has even just gone in, read the reviews and marked them as helpful if they were helpful. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes and it'll take you right there. So now we have arrived the, the best tower. part of the show. The best part of the show. That is the best part of the show. The at the tower. The listener feedback, thoughts, theories, requests, dedications. We've got a little bit of everything. So we're going to fire it right off with Rochelle, who's living salty on Twitter. An extra, a nurse. Periodically, you may see her on Under the Dome, and she gave us a call. Well, hello, Wayne and Troy. This is Rochelle, your resident nurse here under the dome. I just want to leave my two cents on episode two. Um, actually, I personally enjoyed episode two much more than I did the pilot episode. Um, to be quite honest, I think everybody knew what was going to happen in the pilot episode. The dome was going to come down. Um, the second episode, I believe, led us into more character development, which um, I think they did an awesome job doing um, developing the characters in the second episode. Um, now my personal favorites are um, Benny and Joe. Um, John Elvis and uh, Colin Ford do a wonderful job um, bringing some, if you can call it, innocence um, to this catastrophe that's happened. Um, they bring a little comedic relief um, to the episode, so I thought they were great. Um, and wow, what can I say about Paul Randolph, Kevin Sizemore's character, did not expect him to be that, um, I guess, over the top. Um, it's great, though. I can just see him in his bedroom looking in front of a mirror, pulling his gun out of his holster and, you know, practicing his draw. And um, when he unloaded all that arsenal out of the back of his car, I was like, wow, um, he's crazy. So um, hats off to Kevin. Um, did a great job. Um with that character and I can't wait to see what he gets into next. So, um, guys, thanks for the wonderful podcast. Um, that's all I have for now. I always have to watch the episode a few times before I can get into some of the conspiracies and things because there's always things I miss, um, watching it the first time because I'm so enthralled with the episode. Um, just Jack Bender is awesome. Um, he, he's just a creative genius, and you could definitely tell that was one of his episodes. Loved it. So um, look forward to hearing your podcast, and um, definitely look forward to next week's episode. So I hope everybody watches, and take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. This is Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11, calling in for Under the Dome. Um, just saw episode two. Just thought it was interesting. Um, it's interesting... Barbie was going to get his dog tags, um, which is interesting uh, in regards to the book as well. But the interesting thing is when they show the shots in the beginning of the episode, he's got uh, two dog tags on the chain. It looks like two during the fight. But when he goes back to the cabin to get the dog tags, Looks like there's only one, and it's got a bullet uh, impression in it. Um, so my question is, how did that get a bullet impression in it from the struggle, and does the uh, body have the other dog tag in it? Um, where is that other dog tag? You know, it's just kind of interesting to think about because... You know, it plays a, you know, kind of an important role in the, um, 
in the book. We'll make, be playing a different role here in the mini-series, but it's interesting to think about because usually those dog tags come in twos. Um, and like I said, it looked like he just has one now, but had two at the beginning. But we'll see. I, I didn't watch it that closely, but we'll see how important a role it plays here in the series. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. And I watched that episode t- again today, you know, after we got this phone call in, and I, I focused on the dog tags. I, I must have replayed it like a couple times. Okay. The dog tag that is on the table as it falls definitely does have a bullet impression in it, but I think that might have been in a previous life that Barbie, maybe it saved his life or he was shot at some point. The bullet impression did not come from the gunshot or the struggle because the gunshot comes after um, he drops the dog tags because he drops the dog tags, they're rolling around the throne and then boom, then the gunshot happens. So the, the bullet impression isn't from the gunshot. That much I know. However, I did not see the second dog tag in the entire scene. But typically, yes, there are two dog tags uh, when you talk about dog tags in a military personnel. So where is the second one? That is a good question. We'll have to keep an eye out to see if it, it you know, did it get buried with the body. Is it still in the cabin? You know, did it fall at some previous encounter point? You know, we'll have to just wait and see what happens there. Continuity error, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the, the dog tags, like you said, are, are an important part in the book. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I I have a feeling, instead of continuity error, I have a feeling that uh, you and Jeff are going to be right on, that something's going to come to pass. And, Jeff, we thank you for your call. Rochelle, thank you so much for your call as well, talking about uh, how Joe and Benny are some of her early favorites on Under the Dome. They're definitely the comic. I, I agree with her. They are the comic comic relief what was really great about that scene, though, too, was Barbie comes up and says, hey, you're the Joe kid, right? And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm mapping out the dome, man. And he's like, dude, that's awesome. Keep it up. So I think Barbie and Joe are going to team up and form a form a coup against Big Jim at some point in time. I could see that coming. I And I think that Joe and Benny are actually a lot more than just comic relief on the show. When I first saw them, I'm going to admit, you know, after watching V and Revolution, and sometimes on Falling Skies as well, that uh, the teens and young adults sometimes can lead the str- the whole show astray, kind of like our pals that are down there in the bomb shelter. But Joe and Benny, they have a lot of meat to those characters. I think they're really, like you said, they're going to maybe become in an alliance, I guess you could say, with uh, Barbie. And it's just going to be interesting to see how all that comes together. Or they're just going to find new creative things to write on the plexiglass. <laughs> Graffiti all over the dome. <laughs> Benny they- and Joe are here. <laughs> Hi, guys. What an action-packed episode of Under the Dome. A few of the things that I found quite interesting was the reveal that Barbie did indeed kill Dr. Shumway, but the reason was even more interesting. So who was that boss that Barbie mentioned when he was shaking down Peter? We know now why Barbie is in Chester's mill. On the subject of Big Jim, he is beginning to look like someone who is doing the wrong thing for the right reason. So the propane is for making drugs, an interesting little side business for Big Jim, Reverend Coggins, and Duke. But his meanness is coming out. Did you notice how he was just willing to let Lester die in the fire? It makes me think that perhaps their little drug ring wasn't for the benefit of the town, and with Duke and Lester out of the picture, Big Jim would have been the big winner. But there's no doubt in my mind that Big Jim is an enigma. He is all over the place doing favors for everyone and asking nothing in return. He fixed the generator at the restaurant, stopped the farmer from frying himself with his backhoe, and then effectively snuffed the fire at Duke's place. Randolph, however, makes me very nervous. I would have to say that he is somewhat of a loose cannon that could go off at any moment, as we could see at the end of the episode when his bullet accidentally hit Freddy. Speaking of Randolph, I wanted to add that I very much enjoyed your interview with Kevin Sizemore this past Monday. What a bonus, and that was a great catch, guys. 
Anyway, I find that I am left with questions that I am looking forward to getting answers to in the next several weeks. Well, there it is. This is Kalis Kapla. Hey guys, this is Donya from Above the Dome on Twitter. Just want to say I'm a big fan of the podcast, big fan of your page, and just want to know what you guys think of the characters so far. My favorite has to probably be Junior, but who's your favorite? Above the Dome, thank you so much for your listener feedback as well. And Jim, listener Jim, not Jim Rennie, but I could picture that uh, Jim was wearing his Under the Dome radio t-shirt and drinking some coffee as he recorded that piece for us. Um, As far as favorite character, like I mentioned, I think probably Joe and Benny are my my favorites right now, but also due to past radio experience, kind of digging the folks in the radio station. Yeah, I mean, Dodie definitely had the best line in the episode, I still think. You know, but at the same time, you know, I like Lester Coggins. I think the guy's just a hoot. <laughs> you know, I just want to see what he's going to do next. If he keeps catching things on fire, he's not going to be doing too many more things. No, no. But, uh, you know, I still I still side with uh, Paul Randolph. I think he's the only one thinking straight. I think he's the one that's like, we got to make sure we buckle down. We're in here for the long haul and, made, you know, last man standing kind of concept and. I at least think he's at least thinking logically might not be the best course of action, but at least he's logically thinking about it. Yes. And like Jim said, it was a great interview with Kevin Sizemore the other day. And he kind of even alluded to how Randolph is a action first, think later kind of character sometimes. Hey, Troy and Wayne, this is Alex Cruz from TPE, and I just want to kind of put my own two cents into the second episode of Under the Dome. But before I do, I kind of want to point something out. Last week, I had gone and seen the movie World War Z and come under the, the huge revelation that there is a lot more gore in the first episode and even somewhat of the second episode of under the dome than there is in that entire movie of world war z and all the zombies so kind of interesting now one thing that kind of stuck out more than anything i know it's kind of minute to many people but the radio station in town was it me or were they actually playing vinyl what radio station nowadays plays vinyl I don't know. That's probably just me. Um, the new creepy little piece of garbage, in my opinion, is no longer Junior, even though Junior is still up there. But I think that the Reverend Lester Coggins has surpassed that simply because supposedly he's a man of God, and boy, I think he's anything but. But of course. He, he doesn't have a, a, a girl in a, in a little uh, house there. <laughs> and, and so, uh, anyway, um, what's, uh, what's Big Jim up to? That's, everybody wants to know why, uh, what's up with all the propane? Why does it have any, why was it good for the town? I'm thinking that maybe they were, could it possibly be a meth lab or something trying to get money for the town and uh, and Duke kind of kept a blind eye to it so maybe that's for the benefit of, of the town and another thing isn't it kind of cool how the first episode and the second episode they both kind of end the same with uh, with the, the death of uh, the policeman and uh, Duke at first when I first saw the first episode I thought for sure that he was shot and then the second episode you kind of realize that uh, it was his pacemaker and then the officer that was shot because of uh, Paul's errant bullet so all right thanks guys and I look forward to hearing your podcast and looking forward to episode three so take care boys talk to you later see ya Under the Dome was really good last night um, I, of course, love every scene that includes Joe, because I think Colin Ford is a phenomenal actor, and I, Joe's my favorite character out of all of them. I just love his scenes. And um, even though it was a small scene, I love the scene between Barbie and Joe. I can't wait to see more scenes with them, because I think they have such great 
chemistry, and I don't know, I just feel like they would, the scenes with them together are just perfect, and I am total friendship, bromance, shipper of them. So I love that. Um, a lot of funny scenes, which I like, because you don't want to keep it so serious. You want to lighten up the mood. Like, you can't always be like, oh my god, we're trapped in a dome. We're gonna die. Oh my god, the fire. You know, you gotta have some lighthearted moments, which is good. And um, I, I was debating last night. I was thinking, maybe, what if Junior really isn't crazy? What if Andrew really is sick? You know, you really don't know. Because maybe before all this happened, they were in love. They were doing things together. She wanted to be with him, and all of a sudden, when the dome comes out, she changes. But really, she changed before the dome come down. But maybe in his mind, well, as soon as the dome was coming down, she changed. But who knows? Maybe she's really sick, or maybe... Junior's really psycho. I'm personally, I'm going for Junior's really psycho because I mean he's kind of crazy. He belongs to me. Like okay, no one belongs to you. And I mean, the Junior and Barbie fight scene. Barbie's like, next time I won't stop. And I was thinking, yeah, Barbie, you go. You tell Junior. I mean, Junior's like a psycho, but he's super hot. So it's kind of like, oh. On one hand, I find him so dreamy. The next, I find him really creepy. But you know, I guess it's evens it out. Uh. And, of course, I love how the Angie and Junior, like I said, uh, it's like I was thinking to myself, hey, if you want a girl, keep a girl, lock her up, and maybe eventually she'll fall back in love with you, or fall in love with you to begin with. Because, I mean, he, like, completely locked her up. Hopefully she'll get out soon, because I like Angie and I want to see more scenes. And, yeah, I'm really sad that Duke and Freddie died. I, even though you really didn't see them much, I really like their characters. So, yeah. I mean, Under the Dome was really good last night. I can't wait for next week. Also, I'm personally not digging the whole Nori and Joe thing, because when they looked at each other and all smiley, if Nori and Joe happen, I'm not going to be very happy, because personally, I'm not a big fan of Nori, and if I would see anybody with Joe, it'd be me. Just saying. So yeah, Under the Dome, if anybody does not watch this, they need to watch it right now. Amazing show, phenomenal episode, and I can't wait till next week. Alright, bye. Well, I could tell you this much. I'm sure Angie would love to trade places with you, caller, because <laughs> it's not Angie that's wrong. I'll tell you that much. It is definitely Junior. Junior is the nut job. That is definitely true. It's definitely something to just kind of consider for just a moment, only because remember, what was it, near the at the end of Lost Season 2 when Benjamin Linus said, we're the good guys, and we're like, wow, huh? Ben Linus, one of the good guys? That'll never happen. Right. I mean, Alex got some great feedback as well. A lot of points we've already touched on. Um, definitely uh, keep the feedback coming. These are these are great. Um, we have uh, some repeaters. We got some new people. 904-469-7469 or use the send voicemail button at the website uh, to bring in your feedback. I think we got uh, two more, Wayne, don't we? We've got some more listener feedback coming right now. Hi, Wayne. It's Lorraine Romero from Windsor, California. have to say I love, love, love episode number five with Kevin Sizemore interview. What a great job. What a great guy. You guys sure made a great try out there. And it was so good to have a guest come on the show. I hope you can do that more in the future. I've been a podcaster for the last seven years, so I know how much work it takes to be able to put on one of these shows. I totally feel it, and I love that you guys are so dedicated in doing this. I'm the co-host of the HomeTravelAgent.net podcast myself. I started off very similar to how Troy did. I was listening to the podcast. I connected with the co-host. His name is Barry Camps. Asked him a couple questions, put things out, and you know what? I am now the co-host of the show. We are on episode 333, so it's about longevity. I'm a travel agent in my real life. My company name is Sharp Tongue Consulting. So thank you again, guys, for all you put in to the show. Uh, my reaction to the July 1st show, fire, oof, hot, hot, hot. I'm telling you, character development is great. Mm, junior. Evil, evil, evil. And I love how the characters are moving forward, and I can't wait to see what week after week brings to me. I have to say I use TiVo, so normally I record shows and watch them later, but I found myself last night listening to the show live, commercials and all. So 
That makes Under the Dome a hit for me. Thank you again. You guys rock. Can't wait to see and listen to the next podcast. Thank you again. Bye-bye from Windsor, California. Hey, Wayne and Troy. This is Rick from Wisconsin. Uh, I've got uh, two pieces of feedback. I'm going to leave a separate call. One is for your spoiler section, and one is, is what I'm thinking about the show, what I'm seeing so far. I'm considering the show as like an alternate universe story. You've got a lot of similarities with the names and the places as the story you knew in the book, but it is a, an entirely different story. Uh, and so I'm going to look at it that way. I, I liked the first episode. I thought it was very strong, and the way they set things up, uh, I was okay with you know seeing some things be different than I was expecting, but uh, I was just staying with it. Um, I see that some of the changes on the show, I think, are for those uh, kind of the political correctness that CBS puts in all of its programming, and uh, understand why that's there, even though it's not my preference. And I would say in the second episode, I feel like they already made a mistake with some of the writing because uh, I thought the, that the uh, Reverend Coggins uh, being stupid enough to start a fire and throw these papers into a, a basket in a room where everything can catch on fire around you. And then the, the very unrealistic thing of the the house being so engulfed in flames, but uh, someone being able to run in there and find him sitting in the corner of the room that the fire started in, and he's not even burned or dead. And uh, the way they went about to try to, to put it out, I just uh, had some real problems with that, with what I know about fires and firefighting. Uh, it kind of removed me from the, the show. Um, I, I hope they don't make those kinds of mistakes in the future with the writing because I thought the first episode was real well written and I was excited that the, the show was, is going to be good. And uh, maybe I'm being too harsh on them for, for one thing, but uh, I was disappointed with that. I loved the interview that you did with Kevin Sizemore, and uh, he has a, kind of a quirky character there. I mean, he is definitely a little out there and... Uh, don't know if he's someone that people should be listening to, but uh, there was definitely some pretty uh, reckless and foolish actions at the end of the episode there that resulted in the death of his fellow officer, which uh, is uh, is a sad thing. So uh, those are my thoughts on the on the show itself as a as a TV show. Thanks. Rick and Lorraine, thank you so much for sending in your listener feedback. Lorraine's on episode three hundred and thirty-three. Troy, at this rate, will be there pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, got some interesting stuff lined up uh, for the next couple of weeks. We definitely have some more uh, interviews, uh, some actors, and some ancillaries as well uh, that are surrounding the Wilmington area. So keep tuned for those. You're spilling the beans. I am. I am. You know, I I put it out on Twitter today, uh, the day that we recorded this podcast, that we are actually uh, interviewing the nosy neighbor herself, Ms. Andrea Grinnell the wonderful Dale Raul. Uh, we're going to be interviewing her and uh, playing that interview back in a couple weeks um, when she comes back to the show uh, around episode number five. So definitely, uh, if you have questions, send them on in. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, we may have already recorded, but definitely if you got them, send them on in and uh, we'll try to ask those questions to the wonderful Dale uh, when we talk to her July 4th even. She's very generous of her time uh, to do it on a holiday. So... Really, really good stuff. So, yes, Lorraine, definitely more coming. And, uh, Rick, uh, yeah, I agree with you about the fire. Um, at the same time, it's a TV show. I just roll with it. You know, it is what it is. But I could see if you're familiar oh, yeah. with firefighters and firefighting techniques that it would really get to you. And For sure. we're not. My wife and I certainly aren't. But she was like, what? <laughs> but like you said, it's just a TV show. And maybe the fact that he was, quote, unquote, higher than a kite got him through the the mess i don't know he just needed a, he just needed a light to start smoking up something else maybe but I, I i see your point rick and let's uh let's hope that they don't even teeter on the edge of anything that we 
would uh, call them out on. Also got a uh, quick review email uh, from Justine in Poland again. Hi, Wayne and Troy. This episode was about exploration. The exploration of the physical properties of the dome as if would it hold smoke or filter it out? How would it react to water? And I find the I. I find the idea of it being a substance that can let air through plausible, if not more logical. I guess that changes the perspective on the final scene of the first episode where the authorities are stationed outside of the dome. They could hear the police officer, but were ordered not to react, possibly. And one of my favorite lines this week was delivered by Julia. I tried stripping an hour ago. Didn't work. Not as much as a blink from them. The look on Barbie's face afterwards was priceless. Other than that, I felt so sorry for the police officer at the end of the episode. She seems to be losing colleagues faster than faster than flies are dropping. Say that ten times fast. Anybody keeping count of the population in Chester's Mill? I foresee a steep decline in the near future and rates this episode eight and a half out of ten propane tanks. Yeah, I, I like the water scene, but here's the thing that I didn't like about it um yeah and you know what i'm gonna save it i'm gonna save it till the the in the dome section because it is a little uh book comparison so i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on that one uh, but yeah definitely uh policemen are dropping like flies so i think we have to figure out what's going to happen with uh, some replacement police officers especially if uh, big jim gets his way um we also got uh some feedback from tv feedback and TV Feedback said, I just wanted to leave some feedback about the podcast. Uh, love the podcast. Uh, great job. Like the chat. Love that you have so much um, fan interaction on it. Uh, he doesn't have a theory about the source of the dome. But one thing that did occur to the, uh, the TV Feedback caller was, uh, or writer was that uh, Dr. Shumway, I think the reason he hasn't been working at the hospital is due to the fact that he and some other people in the town have been cooking the fuel to make the drugs. I'm not too sure what kind, but that might be why he was negotiating with Barbie in the cabin. Keep up the good work. TV feedback. Excellent. A lot of people are throwing that theory around that that's where all the propane's going. People are cooking up evil things, but we knew we do know for a fact, the line near the beginning between Lester Coggins and Jim Rennie when Rennie said, are you using our stuff? Right. You're high as a kite. So that I, I think a lot of these listeners are on to the right thing. You never know what might be happening on the show, but I think they're on the, the right path there. So thanks for that feedback. And if you enjoy the Under the Dome podcast, want to know details on how you can help us out and quote-unquote, share the love, just go to underthedomeradio.com slash love, and we'll give you all the details there. There's a variety of ways, whatever works for you best. For example, if you shop amazon.com here in the United States, you can use our affiliate link, all the prices through Amazon. It's the Amazon storefront, same prices, same shipping, same guarantees. But if you purchase through our affiliate link, we get a small percentage of that that helps with the bandwidth cost of the show and all that. Now, with that, let's go in the dome because you hinted a few times that you've got some book-related comparisons that might be spoilery, Troy. Just a little bit. So we are going in the dome in five, four, three, turn us down, take your headphones off. No. Okay. So first thing we're going to mention is Stephen King's letter to the fans last Friday. Epic letter now granted Stephen King can write ever what the heck he wants and put it out wherever it's, it's freedom of speech and whatever but epic letter to say the least we will link to it in the show notes for this episode so you can read it again if you haven't seen it um, but the best line I thought that he delivered in that letter was that um, people are it's, the reason why he wrote the letter was people are complaining that the book is ruined the book is just destroyed because of the pilot episode and Stephen King was like Y'all hated my ending anyway, so why don't you watch Brian's? <laughs> Basically just said, shut up and just go away. <laughs> I don't think he said go away, but he was. He he genuinely was stunned, at, even though it, it's been talked about for a couple of months now that the ending's going to be different and a lot of other things are going to be different from the novel Under the Dome and that they have Stephen King's blessing. But still, some folks that are just diehard lovers of the book are like i mentioned before they are quote unquote up in arms and i so think that, most of the changes are pretty minor other than the ending exactly yeah i mean the 
this is exactly what this segment of the show is for, right? So, you know, day two of the book, um, basically what happens is the whole town kind of bands together and has kind of a, a dome celebration, if you will, out in the farm field where the plane crash happened. And some of them are there because they're holding a prayer vigil. Some are there just to party. Um, some of them are just getting indigestion from eating bad hot dogs from Romeo Burpee's stock. Um, but they're basically all in this together, right? Just like Big Jim says, right? We're all in this together. I've heard him and say that. I've heard him say that a few times. Uh, but instead, in the TV show, the town is kind of all together on day two, but they're just at a house fire instead. So same concept of the town banding together in one place, just a different method of approaching the concept, right? Right. And then you have Coggins and Big Jim. Uh, they were in on it in the book as well, uh, but Duke was actually exposing them instead of part of the operation. But from the conversation, it sounded like that Duke helped with the propane orders, but didn't really know about the propane drug operation in the TV show. It made it sound like Duke might have known about it, but I think in this episode, we've got confirmation that Duke didn't know about the drugs. He only knew about the propane. So I think Duke is still a good guy after all in the end. Um, I think they spent too much on the truck collision special effect because the one scene that I really was hoping to see uh, in the book, uh, the farmer with the front loaders listening to his iPod and actually does get too close to the dome and basically the, the John Deere basically chews him up into a million pieces. And you wanted to see that? And I wanted to see that episode. I thought the guy that was cut in half, I thought maybe that would have been the, the farmer that got wrecked up by the John Deere, but um, we still don't know where the other half of that body is, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, like I said, maybe they spent too much on the on the truck collision, so they had Big Jim come in and save them, you know, magically, you know, power of storytelling. Hey, you got to save this front loader because we might need it later in the episode. Wink, wink. Um, we haven't talked about Junior and Angie at all so far in the show uh, for good reasons because they haven't really done anything with their storyline yet and they're um, just annoying and maybe they'll just go away yeah but the great thing about it is that if you read the book um you really are interested in that storyline right if you haven't read the book you're probably like me and just eh, whatever throw them away you know but if you read the book you have to love Britt robertson's delivery in this episode when she's trying to kind of bait junior into the quote about quote unquote hanging out with barbie it's like yeah it was great we did it all the time you know um, because in the book, the motive for Junior actually hating Barbie is the same, right? Basically, Angie makes a move on Barbie in the book. Um, you know, she accuses Barbie of rape. Therefore, Junior gets all ticked off about it. But at the same time, you know, Junior also gets ticked off at Angie because technically Angie's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend with one of his good buddies. But the concept of the whole, you know, Barbie, Angie kind of sexual tension, um, fuels Junior's hatred. So it was interesting that they brought that back in again, a little bit different way, but it's still the core fundamental reason why Junior hates Barbie. Just putting that out there. Now I like the uh, interesting from reading the book. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they did not portray it the same exact way in the book, but there was a bullet ricocheting off yes. the dome, right? Yes. So some people have been kind of up in arms that we haven't met Ollie Dinsmore yet or any of the Dinsmores for that matter um, in either episode one or episode two. But in the book, if you remember, it's Ollie's brother that actually runs out to the dome during the celebration with the gun, ends up shooting the dome and the bullet ricochets and takes out his eye and the bullet lands in his brain. So, you know, definitely better to see Freddy go down with a chest wound than an eye kind of popping out. Yes, um, yes. I agree. But again, we're we're kind of missing a point there because once the bullet gets lodged in the kid's brain, he, he falls down and has a seizure in the book and talks about the pink stars falling in lines again. So, um, you know, I'm for TV. I think it was good. I think it was awesome to see you know, that they still did the bullet ricochet thing. They just told it again a different way just to get the point across that. Yes, it is a bulletproof piece of plexiglass that bounces rubber balls off of it and holds paint for doors. Um. But I love that Jack Bender got the shot of Barbie walking away from the gas station. So this was really, a, it's either really a shout out to Jack Bender setting the stage and the scenery for future episodes, or they totally put this in for the book readers. Because as they panned away, as Barbie walks away from the gas station, you see the sign, and it definitely is the gas and grocery. 
Uh, if you remember from the book, you had Romeo Burpee's department store, you mm-hmm. had Food City and the gas and groceries. So they kind of had that point to get the sign in. I thought that was really, really a great nod by Jack Bender to the book readers. And since we are currently in the dome and sharing possible spoilery infor- information, listener Rick called in with some of his spoilery thoughts. Hey, Wayne and Troy, this is Rick from Wisconsin again with my uh, spoiler section stuff. Uh, I have finally finished the book and uh, can see that the, the I'm pretty sure that the show is going to be different in a number of ways from the, the way the book is. Uh, I'm guessing with the high ratings that they're going to want to uh, come back with more episodes and not have it just be a miniseries. And with that expectation in mind, they, uh, if they want to maintain them being under a dome, they're definitely going to have to uh, have a different ending or uh, prolong the story, stretch it out. Uh, they could do um, maybe a little like the, the writers did with Lost when they weren't sure where the series was going to end and it was so popular and uh, they started writing stuff, but I hope they don't uh, end up having weak episodes and, and, and going uh, too far astray from where the book was. Um, a lot of the characters in the book, in the end, I still really did not like uh, all that much. Um, in the book, uh, I guess Dale Barber would be the hero and uh, maybe the most likable character, uh, or one of the most likable and uh, not necessarily so with the TV show. They definitely have made him a little bit um, somebody that you might uh, have to be suspicious of. We don't know yet his background, his dealings, uh, what what all was going on with him to get where he's at now. But uh, I think he's a he's a darker and more dangerous person than he seemed to be from the, from the book. And um, I can see that they've had to tone down the number of characters a lot. They've done urging of some of the names and some of the characteristics. It doesn't look like we're going to see uh, Phil Bushy having a wife and a child in this, and uh, the horrible events that happen with her won't happen in the, in the TV show, I'm sure. Um, so that's good, uh, because those are pretty disturbing uh, parts of the book. But um, this dome is different, too. The dome... Being, uh, I think it's, it seems to be spherical. Uh, the way they, that uh, the kid measured it, I would say it goes down as far as it goes up, and it's like a, it's like a globe around the town. I did notice in that quick shot they had where it kind of showed the map of Chester's Mill, and he, he uh, was showing where the, where the line ran. It looked like it, it went out into a body of water there, and it didn't cover all the town. I was uh, surprised to see that, how it was cutting through some houses and cutting through the middle of the street, and uh, a little different than uh, in the book where it ran around the perimeter of the town. So um, that's interesting, you know. Where- Uh-oh, and Google cut him off. Rick, I'm sorry about that, but thank you so much for calling in. And I thought that same thing, that something didn't seem quite right with the uh, the little map there that uh, Joe and Benny had put together. But it may have just been kind of a visual representation, but it didn't look like a full circle dome, and it kind of went through the water. But I'd like to check that out some more. There has to be a looking glass station under the water to block the transmission from the military. Just saying. And Regina from Once Upon a Time would be down there. Exactly. Um, I, I, I do disagree with Rick, though, on one point. Um, Barbie is definitely a leader, but he's not the hero of the book. And I'm not going to give it away for anybody that did want to read the book. Um, Barbie's a leader, not a hero. Similar to Lost. Jack is a leader. He's not a hero. So Interesting we'll way just, to phrase that. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Are we uh, heading back out from In the Dome? oh wait the dope i guess the dome can't lift up just yet otherwise we'd be we'd be done with the show (laughs) oh we'd find a way to continue oh so some good stuff there and it you know episode three is going to be a pivotal episode and i i can't wait to see that this coming monday night on cbs yeah definitely the chess pieces are in play now so now we're going to get into the meat i think Mm -hmm. and maybe a little more gore so we'll have to see everybody 
Thank you so very much for joining us again for another episode of Under the Dome Radio, the podcast where the website is underthedomeradio.com. Uh, you can subscribe. Of course, it's totally free and you get each new episode as they come out. We have, like Troy mentioned earlier, we've got some interviews coming up, some special episodes. Anything you want to spill the beans on those other than uh, like you already did? Uh, nope. Just uh, stay tuned and uh, make sure you uh, subscribe in iTunes, follow us on YouTube, send in your Domehead picks. we got a couple more to throw up on the website uh, this week. Uh, definitely keep the love coming, Domeheads and Domies, and uh, let's uh, hopefully get season two here in the next couple days. Absolutely. In fact, I think we should probably design a t-shirt that has hashtag Domies and hashtag Domeheads on it. Definitely. It's a fun. That's a season two swag, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully an announcement will be coming soon. And, you know, the propane seems to always be running low here at the station. We're just keeping things on by the skin of our teeth. We had a very generous donation this past week for um, some propane that will keep us going at least through the weekend. So we thank you for that sponsorship of the uh, medium-sized propane tank very very good of you thank you so very much the conversation of the show does not end here be sure to check out the website again at under the dome radio.com and of course there's also the facebook fan page and other good stuff as well right troy absolutely facebook.com under the dome radio follow us on twitter utd radio podcast and use the hashtag utdr so we can find your tweets faster and of course those reviews, those star ratings, find the reviews helpful, everything you can, all about iTunes, definitely helps out the show. So subscribe and uh, keep the love coming over at underthedomeradio.com slash love. And let your voice be heard like the listeners you heard on this episode. Send in your thoughts and theories. We'll play it on the next episode of the podcast. All the details are on the site. And don't forget, Domeheads, like Troy alluded to earlier, we want to see your pictures, some sort of representation of you underneath a dome. And we'll post that on underthedomeradio.com slash domeheads. But until that next episode of Under the Dome Radio, if you're looking for us around the mill, you can always find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome.